despierta el pañón, despierta. To awaken the church. It's because of the condition of the church that would accrue at this time. The condition of the church that would be in the church at this time uh, because of many things that would happen globally and affect the Christian worship experience. The Christian salvation as you know it. And that's why today, in this very short briefing, I want to just look at the current condition of the church. And that will help you very much. It will help you now. And I want to thank the Dean Agre Gunyali, very, very senior deputy, senior most actually, the Dean Agre Gunyali, for putting together this entire process. He's in charge of all these people, who is flying when, who is coming in when, which hotel. The Lord will bless you in glory together with your wife and the engineer in a very mighty way. Your participation is very central. He has risen. He is top, top now. He's top, top in the ministry. Really top. You will then understand also the urgency and the seriousness and the gravity as to why you must go. You must go and bring revival, renewal, correction, resuscitation, renovation, rehabilitation, spiritual rehabilitation into the church. Hallelujah. Once we handle this, then you'll understand better that you need to effect changes in the church. I want also to receive Professor Makwengo here, because today I see he has come, and the Lord has restored him completely. <laughs> Hallelujah. Together with Litunda. And so, it's very powerful. I wish he could sit right next to Lupo there with his seat. That would be very powerful. And so the Lord is going to assign him again now, give him a powerful assignment. To, because there is so much work, right? The sons of the Lord, the daughters of the Lord. Now, if we look at the condition of the church as it is today, then we are able to know how much work we need to do. How much work we need to do to prepare the church, to restore the church, right? As the Lord is sending you. And so, because of the modernism that has come and the time we are in, so a lot of things have affected the church and hence affected worship. Thank you for that. Turn with me right away to the book of Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13. I'll give you, what I'll do is simply run down through scripture because of the one hour we have with the senior Italian team. I'll just run through scripture and explain them as we do it. And then they will, have, they will have it and go with it. Isaiah 29, if you read with me, verse 13. It says the following. The book of Isaiah chapter 29, I'm reading verse 13. It says the following. It says, Isaiah 29, 13, many languages translating. And again, we still celebrate the, the cold air conditioning because we know where we have come from. We know, we know ourselves. We know how it was here, right? We were afraid. <laughs> we are in an oven, right? So Isaiah 29, 
Verse 13, he says the following. The Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far away from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules and regulations. They have been taught. So, verse 4, then he brings, verse 14, he brings the consequence. He says, therefore, I will astound them. I will shock them. So, we live in such a time, blessed people, a very, very important time we live in when the Messiah is coming, the announcement is deliberate. But in this process, we can see the condition of the church. The Lord himself testifies here that if you look at our worship today in the church, people are not fully committed to worship. In other words, there was a promise that an apostasy would come to the church. Apostasy means falling away from true faith. There was a promise that many things would affect the Christian worship experience and they would deviate, they would fall away from the original faith, the original gospel of the cross and the blood. And so, if you look at the characteristic of the church today, it is described, defined by the scripture I've just read, Isaiah 29, verse 13, that when they come before the Lord, their hearts are away. There is not full commitment. And this is cutting across all the nations right now. There is not full commitment in serving the Lord. People give more time even to their professions and families more than they give the Lord. And if they give time to the Lord, they are competing interests. Where sometimes you find that family comes first before the Lord. The Lord is a jealous God. And he expects us to serve him with all our hearts, even as he died for us on the cross with all his heart. Hallelujah. And so, one of the problems in the church today, why you are going out to restore the church, is because they come to the Lord to, to worship him, this generation, and yet their hearts are elsewhere. Their hearts are elsewhere. And I'm just going to run through scriptures so that you may be able to, because of the team that's traveling, the rest later tomorrow we can meet, I can explain. Uh, the, book of, the book of Luke 21, 1 and 4, read it. Luke chapter 21, another feature, another reason why you must, I am reading, I'm the one reading the Bible. I did not tell anyone to read the Bible. Yes. Luke, the book of Luke chapter 21, 1 and 4. Once you turn with me there, we read, I'm simply laying down scripture and the reason as to why you must now run. You must run and bring correction to the church. And I'm using the Bible because of the team running the airport so we don't have much time. Luke chapter 21 verses 1 and 4. It says the following. Hallelujah. Luke 21 Versículo 1 al 4. He says, As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting no. their gifts into uno. the temple treasury. 
he also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly I tell you, he said, this woman, this, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth. But out of her poverty, she put in all she had to live on. So this generation has also reached a place whereby money has become a key feature and identity of the generation. You could call it the generation of providence, provision, and it's characterized all life. It is true. You have to work to earn a living. But if you look at the generation we are in, it has become a material generation, very materialistic. We have become very material as a generation. The generation has become very material such that everything is weighed in terms of how much money you have. Even churches. I've been to many countries. This country, Kenya, is an example whereby churches compete in how much money they have, which church bought, which building, and they get taxes from their rent and so forth. And that takes away from the agenda of God. But the Lord here is talking about the heart. He's seeing people that are out to take money, whatever amount, and give in the basket, the treasury of the Lord. And yet the Lord is seeking the heart. Seeking the heart of this generation. And so, they think by putting money, they can buy out holiness. Buy out instead of righteousness. But that is unfortunate. Because that is not possible. So they give money to church and in that way they also use it to seek human approval in the church. And that's why you must go out and now seek total devotion to Jesus because of the time we are in, right? And then Galatians chapter 1, why you are going out with this gospel to go and bring repentance to your nations and prepare for the coming of the Messiah. The book of Galatians, if you turn with me there. Galatians chapter 1. It says the following. Because of time, those traveling will share this. I'm simply outlining the condition of the church that you may know that you have to go and you have this much work to do. And also the correction that you need to put in place, right? Galatians chapter 1, I'm reading verses 6 and 10. It says the following. He says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Are turning to a different gospel. In Spanish, they say, otro evangelio. Otro evangelio. You are turning to a different gospel which is really no gospel at all. Why is he saying it is no gospel at all? Because he understands very well that when Jacob was walking on that journey and he reached a place and he was so tired, Jacob, tired, 
The night had come. Then he put a rock on his head to sleep, to rest for the night. And then the Lord opened heaven and lowered the ladder of Jacob. He understands very well that when Jacob saw the angels going up and down the ladder and the Lord up there, that ladder was meant to connect man back to God. To reconnect mankind back to the Lord. And the reconnecting of mankind back to the Lord would not happen except if Jesus came, that same ladder, and connecting man to the lost purity, lost holiness of God that man had in the beginning. Look at me. Focus on me now. If you examine the life of Adam and Eve in the garden, Adam and Eve in the garden, you see three phases of their lives, three phases. The first phase is the innocence phase. When they were innocent, they have not fallen. Follow me on this. This is very important. Adam and Eve in the garden, you will see the first phase that they have not fallen. When they are obedient to the Lord. And the Lord is awesome because when he created mankind, he did not re ask, he did not request or ask mankind for subdued, subdued obedience. No. He gave you the freedom so that he sought he did seek out for voluntary obedience. Voluntary obedience. Whereby, from your own heart, you choose to love God. That is what our Father in heaven wants. It's not an obedience where someone forces you to obey. Even you in your homes. When you come back home, from this mission here, you want your children, those who have children, to run to you on their own. To say, hey, that he has come running and fall on you. Well, you. It's a great feeling of a father that my son, my daughter loves me. They, oh, welcome daddy. They take your bag. They say, oh, we missed you and so forth. Voluntary. Hallelujah. Not when you come home and you ask, where is Peter? Where, which room? Are you aware I've come back? Then they come dragging themselves as though you are forcing them to love you. God, the Father, is our Father. And He wants us to love Him voluntarily from our own hearts. So He gave mankind that freedom. To obey Him or not to obey Him. He wanted to see if we are going to choose him. And so, if you look at the garden, there was one phase when Adam and Eve were totally obedient to the Lord. That means they were righteous before the Lord himself. They were righteous before the Lord. This Okay, something has changed. Someone has touched what? Uh, something has changed again. So, so, you simply remove them from there. Once you have set it, you remove those young men from there. You, you just remove them from there. Hallelujah. Now something has changed. Hallelujah. Can you put it back to the sharpness and the whatever? You, you're wasting a lot of time. People are going to airport. Hallelujah. Oh, something has changed. Okay, now we are back. Once you get it back, kick the young men out. 
Just kick them out of that corridor. So you remain there alone. Let them step out of there. Remain alone there now. And reduce the volume a bit because it's, it's hissing a bit. Hallelujah. That is good enough. Thank you. It's hissing a bit. Thank you. Yeah, now stay there alone. So now, the first phase of their life, they were righteous because they, are, they had voluntary obedience. They volunteer by their hearts, committed to loving God, serving God, righteous to Him, obeying God. The next phase of the life in the Garden of Eden is the fallen phase. When they disobeyed God. Look at this now. I know it's hissing the sound a bit. Look at this everybody. The book of Genesis chapter 2 verses 16 and 17. That is God's exacting law of righteousness. Genesis 2. Genesis, Genesis 2. Those. Uh, capital of those fascicular diseases, he diseases Lays the Dios, lays the exactor, a God's exacting law on righteousness. We can even read it here. And he says the following about that law. Genesis chapter 2, 16 and 17. God's exacting law on righteousness. He says, just remove the hissing tree tree. So, so he says, and the Lord, okay, you have reduced. <laughs> and he says, can you add it, please? Uh, we are live on air, please add. He says, that is it. Uh oh. He says, Genesis chapter 2, 16, 15 says, and the Lord God commanded man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must... Oh, oh, can you sharpen me, please? Can we stop this, please? Can you increase it? Hallelujah. Increase it, please. Hallelujah. Thank you. Remove the hissing sound. Keep it there and remove the hissing sound. So, Randy is powerful, right? We may need Randy to... Someone to bring him. Hallelujah. That... Hallelujah. Thank you. Hallelujah. Let, let's pay attention to this. He says, Genesis chapter 2, 16, 17. He says, this he says, And the Lord God commanded man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. That is serious. That is God's exacting law. Exacting. Exacting law of righteousness. And so, and he gave mankind the freedom to choose. He put the tree there. He put the tree there. God Almighty put the tree there. Can you imagine God could have removed the tree? But he put the tree there because he wanted to know if mankind is going to obey him in a voluntary obedience. And look at this now. Now, Mankind disobeyed the law, disobeyed this law. So you have one phase when they were obeying the law, they were righteous. The second phase of their lives, fallen. Then the third phase is the redeemed phase, the restoration phase. Hallelujah. Can you follow me on this? Restoration phase, it will teach you, you will begin to understand where the grace of God started from. 
from where God brought his grace to men. Because when man has fallen, thank you for focusing on me, all of you. When mankind has fallen, the Lord Almighty, you the all-knowing, omnipotent, omnipresent God, he asks a question, Adam, where are you? Does that mean he was not seeing Adam? No, he was seeing where they are. Hallelujah. Just follow me on this. Adam, where are you? He could see them. They had run away. That moment, the moment God the Father stepped out, he put his first foot out and stretched his hand. Adam, where are you? That is the grace of God. You can see the grace there. Because God reaching out to his fallen children. Fallen, kaido. Fallen children. He could have just said, forget it. Let's begin anew. But you see, he steps out. Adam, where are you? Verse 8, Genesis 3, 8, if you don't mind. Genesis 3, 8. It says, when the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the cool of the day, and they, were, they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Look at that now. They heard him walking. God walking towards his fallen children. That is now the restoration phase when he decided he wants to restore them. So you have three phases in the garden. The righteous phase, the fallen phase, and the restored phase, restoration phase. And so the Lord knew also that at this time. So when you read there, you see when he steps his feet out to go reach out, reach out to his fallen children, that is where the grace has started from. The grace of God. God is bringing grace, salvation, redemption to mankind. Of course, later you can see verse 15, he lays out what he called Protoevangelion, the, the, the original gospel, the, the cross, verse 15. Verse 15, he tells you this is how it will be done. He gives out the total architecture of redemption on the cross. That I'll put enmity between the woman and the serpent. He shall crush the head of the serpent. The serpent will bruise him, you know. So, you see that in 15. But verse 21, you see the first death. The first death in verse 21. The first death that died. In verse 21, is the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. In verse 21, the first death is for redemption. That's when he introduced the worship of the blood. And in verse 21, when he covered mankind with the skin, the skin, he slaughtered the Lamb, and he covered the nakedness of mankind with the skin, he was simply talking about how the eternal blood of Jesus would restore righteousness, would cover fallen man. Hallelujah. And then if you want to stretch it, you can stretch it up to Revelation 22 verse 3. Would take away the curse, right? If you want, you could push it up to Revelation 22 verse 3. Would take away the curse. But essentially, that is where the centrality of the blood of Jesus was now installed. The worship of the blood was installed. And so, the reason you are going out is because God Almighty has opened for us a door for restoration. 
that when you go out and you talk to your churches in Germany, in the Netherlands, in the, all your nations, the Lord is able to restore them before the door of grace closes. Hallelujah. Okay, now it has gone down again. I think it's a system uh, something. Eh? Just sharpen it. But, but thank you. Just, thank you. Just give me a little notch. Not too much so it doesn't hiss. So that's why I said, if you look at the condition of the church, the, in other words, the reason you are going, I said Galatians. I said Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 all to 10, he says the following. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel or true evangelio, which is really no gospel at all. Why is it no gospel? Because once you take away the blood of Jesus, once you take away the holiness of Jesus from the salvation of Jesus, then it is something else. That's what he's saying here, which is true, we know that, right? And so, evidently, some people are throwing into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. So he's essentially saying there that the biggest danger to the church in this age would not come from out. Would not be the devil. Let's run, shut the door. The devil is about to enter the church. Let's go and shut the windows. Shut the windows. Let me run and shut the door. Not at all. He's saying that the enemy would have to be inside. That he has now agents inside. It's more complicated. They come and dilute the gospel. Once they dilute the gospel, they have finished you. Because you're going to sit in comfort thinking you're going to heaven, but you're not. That is what he's talking about here. Evidently, some people are perverting the gospel. Are throwing into confusion and trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Meaning, but that is evident. That's why you are going out, right? Really, that's why you are going out. Because today, for example, in South Africa, in South Africa, one time I sent someone uh, for a conference. I sent someone, including the director of our radio, Jesus Lord Radio. I sent him to a, there was a meeting we were invited to in Switzerland. I told him, you just go there and gauge for me the condition of that country, Switzerland. And so when he went there, and then they were, they had invited, look at this, apostles, in quotes, from South Africa to go there and give talk. And they were saying, no, don't worry, Jesus is not coming. Yeah. And he's not coming. Only useless people will be taken away from the earth. So, so he was that kind of gospel. So he knows, the Lord knew very well that the gospel would be changed. And because of the modernism and the many things, uh, many things that will come over the life of man. That's why he's warning here. Uh, trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel other than the one we preached to you, the cross and the blood, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, now so we say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel other than the gospel of the cross and the blood of Jesus that we preached to you in the beginning, let them be cursed. Then verse 10. So there are many things the Lord has raised there. He has talked about the perverting of the gospel. That's why you are going. That's why you're going to tell them, please, let us go back to the cross and the blood of Jesus. Because that's where our hope is. That's where the anointing is. The promised glory, that anointing is there. Glory is there. 
the cross and the blood of Jesus. That's the identity of us as church. You should know when the Lord is sending me to a country or to a place, and you should, I don't know what's going on with that uh, mixer. So, you should know when uh, the Lord, maybe you bring the young man back there, it's increased again. Hallelujah. Increase it one more time. Hallelujah. More please, Shepherd. We are late. Please don't do this. Hallelujah. Increase, increase it, please. Hallelujah. Much more. Hallelujah. Increase it now. Hallelujah. Now it's good. Now don't change it. Keep Mark the place. Mark it. And let a young man sit there and watch it if it's moving. So he's raising a few things here while you are going out. He's mentioning the danger, the peligro that has entered the altar. That some people have come to the altar and they are pretended to be messengers of righteousness. But they are changing the gospel. So their the destination is different. Yesterday, I mentioned a statement here in the past three days. I said that the present day church is preaching another Jesus. Another Jesus has walked into the church. A more modern Jesus. And the, the, who is very accommodative. He understands. He said, no, pobrecitos, no. Don't push them too much. They've gone through so much already. They've gone through COVID. Don't, don't, no, don't push them too much. Just love them. Jesus is love. And yet, they have accommodated sin. And in so doing, you're pushing them right into the lake of fire. If they don't have holiness, they will enter the lake of fire. Uh, they, they are preaching a Jesus today who is non-judgmental. Does not judge. Will not judge sin. So there is no urgency to institute repentance and to rebuke sin or to establish holiness and righteousness in the church. And that's why you see everything and anything is acceptable. And so, that is what is warning here. And his warning of that as in another gospel. Then he's also saying very clearly here that there is something would come, something would come in the church whereby Christians would now forget the true definition of the church. Ecclesia, ecclesia. Ecclesia, the true def- the name in Greek of the church, ecclesia. Ecle- like now we are in ecclesia. But the church, talking about the person, the group, the community. Ecclesia means taken out of the world, removed from the world, separated from the world for God's purpose. Propositor de Dios. He's saying the church would forget that. And that's why he's saying you have to go out. Because he's saying that then they would now focus on seeking human approval. That's what he says. That's why you are going out. Verse 10, verse 10, 11. Verse 10 he says, verse 10 is what you want. He says, am I trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? And if I were trying to win, or am I trying to please people? If I were trying to please people, would I be the servant of Christ? So if you are looking at the condition of the church today, the characteristic of the church, the condition, the, the, the identity of the church of this day, then this is the main feature. That's now why you are going to South Africa to correct the church. You're going to tell them, don't worry about human approval. Just seek the approval of Christ. Because you saw in the scripture we read, right? You saw that the saints that we read, the, the, the saints with superior faith, those who are the heroes of faith in the book of Hebrews 11, as we read up to verse 35, right? 
up to 40 and so forth. You saw that because of the way they lived, they earned the divine approval of God. And we saw that that is such a sharp contrast between the church now, which has actually earned the approval of men, have not cared about the approval of the omnipotent, right? And that is a problem. That's why you are now going. That to tell them, don't worry about what people say. And that's why you as a preacher, when you're going now out, when you're going out in your country to preach and countries, look at this now. When you're going to preach, you are not preaching to the congregation. No. Not at all. You are not preaching to the congregation. Not at all. You are preaching to El. Your audience is him. Yes, because he's always watching. Muda, El Cambio, has he changed? Once you know that the Lord is listening to you, the fear of God consumes you. Then you preach the right message. Then everybody will change. So don't worry about human approval. That's why he's saying, in one of the reasons you are going out is that today they are seeking human approval. Let me run through because of time. We don't have time. At 3.30 I have to release the team here. We're going to the airport. Let me just give you scriptures. The book of Matthew 23 verses 5 to 7. Matthew 23, 5 to 7 if you don't mind. Real quick. Because of time we just go through scriptures. Matthew 23. Verses 5. Once you're there, we read together. 5 and 7. It says, Everything they do is done for people to see. Are you together? Look at that now. Everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries phylacteries wide and the tassels of their garments long they love the place of honor in a banquet. Again, they love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogue. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by others. Rabbi, how are you doing? And so this is very serious. Seeking human approval. And this is one of the maladies about uh, uh, hypocrisy, literally. To be hypocrites in the house of the Lord. So he's saying, the reason you're going to correct the church is because the church is right now seeking the approval of the world and not the approval of the Lord himself. John chapter 15, verse 18, the reason you're going, the condition of the church for which you are going out, right? John chapter 15, we have only 30 minutes to finish and send the senior Italian team to prepare to leave. John chapter 15, verse 18, right? Are we together? It says the following. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would have loved you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That's why the world hates you. So that is very powerful. He's saying that the reason you are going out is because the present day church 
has loved the world intensely. Intensely. And intentionally, by the way. They have a very intense love for the world. That's why they are mixed and the world has not hated them. You have to go back and tell them that God has ordained the blood-stained path. The blood-stained path. The path, the road, the path that, that Jesus set out for us. Jesus stepped like this, like this. So you can see the blood, the sangre, the sangre, the sangre, the footprint of the blood of Jesus. The path that Jesus set out for us is a blood-stained path. And on that path, there is persecution. So the Lord is saying, we have to go out and tell them, don't worry, don't renounce Jesus. If you are persecuted, don't renounce Jesus. And don't give in to the world. So most of the church today has given in to the world, and uh, they don't like persecution. And that is the reason that we are going out, that the church may go back to the blood-stained path. Now, 1 Peter chapter 4, 12 and 14. Are you reading with me? 1 Peter chapter 4, 12 and 14. The book of 1 Peter chapter 4, 12 to 14. He says the following. And then, chapter, I'll, I'll read even verse chapter 1 also. 1 Peter chapter 4, 12 and 14. He says, Dear friends, once you're there, we read together because of time. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the suffering of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. That is a very serious scripture. First Peter chapter 4, 12 and 14. He says, the reason you are going back to the church to bring renewal, revival to them is because the present day church cannot stand trial. On the slightest, they abandon abandon They will abandon salvation, abandon Christ. The slightest trial, they will abandon Christ. And then they will pick and choose what scriptures to read also today. Today is very serious. They even choose, pick and choose what scriptures they read. That's why you are going to the church. And yet the Lord expects us to have the full law, the complete law, right? Hallelujah. But today you find, that's why you have what you call prosperity churches and so forth. In other countries, like um, other countries, I don't want to mention they even put it out there very clearly on the banner. This For us, we are about money. If you are not about money, don't come. For us, we are about money. They even put out at the door the banner. And so, they choose and pick what scriptures to read. They choose cherry picking. The ones that are sweet to them, they take. If there is about judgment to sin, they leave that out. That is why you are going to them. That's why you are going now to restore the church in your respective countries. Let us move on. He says, they confess loving Jesus, but they do so only with their mouths and their hearts are not fully committed to Jesus. Let me just run through this. And then I'll give you scriptures later because of the ones going to airport now. They confess loving Jesus. That is their condition today. But they are not willing to commit fully 
all their hearts. Not at all. With their mouths, they'll confess that they love Jesus. And that's why you are going back to your countries to tell them to return to the original love, the first love. And love him fully with all their hearts, regardless of uh, the, the, the things of the world and name it, right? And so, in the church today, you are people who are not willing to serve the Lord fully. Even pastors, even the preachings alone, they reduce the time of preaching. Everything is technical now in the church. Modernized and technical. If you preach for too many hours, they fear the ship might go away. Right? And so, they seek for acceptance of the world. They seek the approval of men. They show off their wealth. I'm simply describing the church the Lord is sending you to. And you're going to help them because they must see the kingdom of God. You must bring them to repentance. They lack the fire of salvation. And they go with, today you have Twitter, and you have all these things, you have Facebook, Twitter, the X and everything. So they go with group. And they don't examine whether that group is sinful, let me separate from it and follow the narrow road. They go with popular culture. There's what we call popular culture in Europe, popular culture in Africa, popular culture in Australia, popular culture in uh, every country. They go with the group. But the Lord is saying they should now step out and separate for Christ and examine everything. And it doesn't have to be popular. If you follow Christ today, it will not be popular. And so, I said they go with the, with the current and they fear persecution. That's a serious one. They are ashamed of Christ. If you go, if, if, if you are a pastor and you want to visit a member of your church at the office, let's say you are in town and you know that one of the members is a lawyer in town and you call her and you say, oh, I was in town. Or you just go. You just go, I was in town and you knock you, you come, the receptionist receive you, and they tell her, that, hey, your pastor is here. Sometimes they will rebuke you. She might rebuke you. Or you might just see that she is not happy that you have come, right? That, that is the kind of state today. They, they, they will rebuke you. Because they are ashamed of Christ at workplace ashamed. Because in the workplace as lawyers, they have group and there's a way they talk, the way they live, the way bankers, whatever their profession. Now if the pastor comes, they are ashamed of Jesus. You know that more than I do. Because maybe she's dressed in a certain way at work. The dressing. And you have preached about holy dressing. So you surprised her. She's not happy. Yeah, you'll just see that she's not happy. Yeah, so, so they are ashamed of Jesus. That's why you are going to them, right? They are ashamed of Christ. It's a very sad scenario. They cannot suffer for Christ. And they don't want to share Christ in their workplaces. If it is in Kenya, Nairobi, that is very popular. They don't want to share Christ with the people they work with. Because again, they are ashamed of Christ. If you're a pastor, they don't want you just to storm there. That my pastor has come. She will have to get another cloth from someone. Give me so I can wrap myself. 
Yes, so it's that, that is why you are going there to help. The, those are the sheep of Christ. You have to go and help them, okay? Yes, and you have to love them. You have to love them. You cannot be angry because that is now the sheep of Christ. They are looking for direction, right? You help them, please. You must help them. So, the Lord is saying here very clearly that the church today is in a fall, is in apostasy, and she needs restoration, and you are the ones going to bring this restoration to the church. And he's saying that the reason you are going, all these things that they are doing has affected the following. The following has been affected. Number one, because of all, I've not described it all, but all the apostasy, all the influence of the world onto Christian worship has affected the following. The reason you are going, number one, has affected the way they perceive Christian salvation. That's why you are going. So now they have a different view of salvation. Number two, it has affected the way they perceive the Lord. Can I expound on that? Can I expound on the two? Okay, number one. So, it has affected Christian salvation because now, because of all these things, now sin is trivialized. Eos trivializa pecado ahorita. Eos, they don't bring the gravidad, gravidad, the gravity of sin anymore. All this modernism and the influence of the world that has happened to the church, I didn't give you all, but what it has done very painfully is that now it has made the church, the Christianos in this generation, the Christians, they now trivialize sin. So sin is not grave anymore. And that is a tragedy. A very big tragedy. Because the Bible says, for without holiness, nobody will see the Lord. The Bible never says there is half sin or three-quarter sin. Half. Half sin. No. Sin is sin. And the Lord asks us to repent and step away from sin. So, the tragedy is this modernism and this time we live in and the influence in the Christian life is that it has made Christians to trivialize sin. To lower the gravity of sin. Number two, it has made the modern day Christians now to trivialize the holiness of God, my Lord. Eos trivializa santidad de Dios. Santidad in Portuguese, but santidad de Dios. And that's why you are going to the church. The holiness of God has been trivialized. Everybody look at me now. This is the type of holiness that has been trivialized. David is taking the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. And there is specific description how the Ark, the Kohathites, the Kohathites are to carry the Ark of the Covenant, right? And they have a specific instruction how to carry the Ark of the Covenant. Using the staves. Specific by God. God's exacting law. That is God's exacting law. Not in a debate. There is no confusion. There is no discussion. It is God's exacting law. 
God does not want to hear about your independent mind. That is God Almighty has decided the ark of the glory must be carried like that. That is God's exacting law. And so as they bring in the ark, they decide to use ox because we are now modern people. So they decided to use the ox and tie for the ox to pull. That is not what the Lord said. And then the ark, look at this now, the ark kind of tumbles as if it's going to fall. And Uzzah, Uzzah, Uzzah is doing what you would do. Uzzah, Uzzah, make sure you differentiate between Uzzah and Uzziah. Uzzah. Uzzah is doing what everybody here would do. Because you love God. And you honor Jehovah. If you see the ox pulling, the, the, cart, the, the bulls are pulling the ark of the covenant, and the ark is going like this, even you would say, no, 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 no. Let it not fall, right? Uzzah is doing what in the eyes of this world is the right thing to do. He is trying to save it. And then the Lord struck him. The Lord struck him and killed him. So the picture is this. This is the pictura. The ark of the covenant and the dead body of Uzzah. Because Uzzah touched the mercy seat. Let me tell you. Let me share with you people. I know we are live. Let me use this to share. The ark of the covenant in the throne room of God in heaven. Let me share with you this. The Lord brought us and we sat on one side of the ark of the covenant. One side of the mercy seat. We sat on one side. And on this side, Daniel sat alone. The prophet Daniel sat on this side alone. Let me share with you some deep things. And then, the glory of God, God himself came through the golden walk and then, then he sat on the mercy seat. The golden mercy seat, when his glory comes, it becomes now clear like glass. Even changes the color. And then, lightning struck the ark of the covenant three times. That's just how dreadful it is. He said, pia, 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 like this, and almost smoke. You see, like smoke. Three times. I'm, now I'm sharing with the events in the throne room of God. This is very deep now, muy profundo. So, I'm just using that to emphasize to you the dreadfulness of the ark of God, where the glory of God sits. Now, Uzzah touches. He touches the mercy seat. And the Lord kill him. That is serious. And he's saying that in this generation, they, why, first of all, why did the Lord do that? The Lord wanted them to understand the gravity of the holiness of God. The seriousness of the holiness of God. The dreadfulness the dreadfulness of the holiness of God. Can you imagine that that is what this generation has trivialized? Yeah, that is what this generation has trivialized the holiness of God. 
uh, uh, Bachelor Cedar, you can remove your bag from under your feet and put it under the ears. So you don't do that. So you are relaxed. Yes, thank you. So, the reason you are going there is because to talk to the church in your respective countries is because this generation has trivialized the holiness of God. God is holy. If there is any attribute of God that starts from eternity of the eternities and comes through today and into the eternity of eternities is the holiness of God.